I'm Ben. I'm Evan. And I'm Cameron. And we are Dads with Cause. Hi. Hi. Hello. Good to be here. It is. I got a slight adrenaline rush from our little drive. Did you? Yeah, it was fun. Cool. Where'd you guys go? Just down to South San Jose and like literally, what was that road that we were on? Uh, Almaden? That was Almaden to McKean Road. And we took McKean for maybe two or three miles and then turned around. It just started getting interesting. (laughs) It was like, we got to go. Well, what I did was I put your address, Ben, into my ways right when we started driving from downtown. You just keep going in the opposite direction until, exactly. it, until it tells you you're going to have to take 20 minutes as to get it, back? Yep. As soon as yep. it said 8 o'clock, I was like, we got to turn around. It actually said 8.06, but it, it didn't account. It accounted for the fact that, you know, we're on that. The weird is going to have to turn around Right, somewhere. exactly. Yeah. So we really had about five more minutes, but. I mean, we right on time. Yeah. We showed up right at 8. It was good. I heard you turn up. Cool. I heard I heard you arrive. Which yeah. which thing did you hear? Out of curiosity. Well, I came down this road. I heard a Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> I purposely it, whether I'm going down Pine or whatever this road is. What's this road called on the other side? Uh, that is Lu- um, Lucia Clark. No. Newport. No, not Newport. The one behind your house. Uh, That's Newport. No, New- no, that Newport's right Newport, there. The, that way. Oh, Lori. Lori. Yeah. Lori. So yeah, I was going down Lori because I saw you were turning that way and I wanted to park on this side of the street. Yeah, man. So yeah, sense. every time I go longitudinally past your house, I like downshift and kind of hit it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, maybe he hears me. Oh yeah, I, I definitely did. <laughs> yeah, I'm always worried that it's so loud. It's like NASCAR at this point, <laughs> which is probably just in my head. It is. Your car is not that loud. Yeah. It, it just seems really loud like yeah. when it starts up, but... I think my car is definitely louder with the exhaust. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. It screams a bit. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't, your car's loud. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Good. This is like the opposite of owning the GT4 when Ben's like, it's it's not really that loud. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it is that loud. When you press the button. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe like, you guys are always leaving here at like 1030 or whatever, and it's like, oh, that's pretty loud. <laughs> yeah, it's very quiet here. Yeah, I don't. I try and leave gracefully yeah me too it starts try. better so at least i don't have to put my way back the up gas. back up one sec it starts <laughs> it, it almost didn't tonight in the garage i was like fuck are you kidding me wow really yeah yeah so what's up with your 74 you just got out of the shop and today we kind of went for a drive so you can kind of test it out a little bit yeah it, it it works pretty well it's running pretty smoothly uh the power delivery is like way different than it was. So you don't get a burst of speed, maybe quite as low, but it's very consistent all the way up, like from idle to redline. So it's way more drivable in that way, but it doesn't feel quite as fast for hmm. some reason. Oh, so that's interesting then. And that, th- so they changed the computer. There's no computer. Well, you know, they changed they- the, the Apollo fuel management, whatever it is, the <laughs> scroll. <laughs> yeah, the they scroll. changed. They changed the. I, I mean, again, Ben, let, let this. This will probably you'll probably immediately understand what's at play. So there's a bunch of solid state stuff, yep. right? Yep. None of it is integrated circuits. It's all you know transistors or something. Yep, and. Supposedly, what it does is it figures out how much 
like raw energy is coming off the coil and then it does something to regulate that. Cool. Yeah. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. I'm, it's like I'm K-Jet intrigued. or whatever. J. It, Porsche calls it CIS, which is continuous injection system. So the fuel <laughs> injection part of it is just like shutters that open up and the fuel is always pressurized at the same rate to the shutter. Oh, so and then the shutter just opens up. All right, this is like a digital audio. It's like a pulse width modulation. Yep. You so got it's, it. It's, it's like the length of pulse. Yep. Right? Yeah. Okay. Or the frequency of pulse, maybe. Yep. So the fascinating thing started in 74. They ran that type of fuel injection until 78 when the SC came out. And then they modified it so that what's in there now is out of an 80. So same as what was in the original 74 motor, but bigger motor and a slightly more precise air metering is the only difference. Right. They ran that all the way to 84. And then in 84, you get an actual DME with a microchip in it. Interesting. And that's what is in Brooks's car and now in Ross's car. So what happens if you like go drive it at altitude? Uh, There's a pressure plate that shifts and the, I guess, range of that plate starts at a different range oh okay so it actually accounts so it is, for that so it is compensated for that that's yeah. really cool but then, it's all based on atmospheric pressure against this plate basically okay yeah it's like a barometer in there yeah essentially it's like I, i've watched it if you take the air filter out and you and it's running and you you know grab the accelerator cable you can watch the plate move up and down to sort of compensate for the load on the engine as well Cool. Yeah, anyway, so it's running better. Good. Ray. Um it now has an oil cooler, so it is yet to go just above. in time for winter. Right, just in time for winter. <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted to ask. Did you notice the difference in temperature? It it does not go above one eighty at this oh point. Oh my god, that's it great. It just sits there. Well, that's again, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a thermostat on the on the cooling loop, right? There is. Uh that So it'll it'll just go to one eighty and just stop. Yeah. Isn't that like it looks 40? like it has a big dial on the outside of it that you can adjust. Oh. And I was like, fantastic. No. <laughs> and it's like this entire, I mean, I mean, most of these look like they're made out of pressed metal. This thing looks like it's, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. Pressed metal. <laughs> oh, pressed metal. <laughs> Dials and balls. Um so I don't know what this thing it, it's made out of aluminum, but it is it looks like it was CNC'd. Oh. It's a beautiful piece of hardware. Is that new? Did they make that for you or is that they didn't it, make it, they bought it. It was like six hundred bucks. Oh wow. I was really shocked at how expensive those are. Because wow. like normally a thermostat's like seven well, bucks. Then it probably would probably was CNC machined then. Yeah, I would hope so. That's cool. Yeah. So that's all in. They did a bunch of fab work. <laughs> Isn't that like forty degrees cooler than it was running before? It, or more? The hottest it ever got was like right under 250, which... That's pretty hot. Yeah. They say that if you don't take the time to cool the motors down, the parts, when you do finally shut the motor off, uh, the cylinder barrels, the heads, and the block all cool at a different rate, and that's when <laughs> things start to pull apart. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. So if you can stay below 220, really, like anywhere between 180 and 220 is a really good operating temperature to be at. It's the same thing with uh, like air-cooled 
aircraft engines, like Lycoming engines. Yeah. You don't shock, shock cool those. So yeah. even like when you're descending, you still run the engine so that you don't shock cool the engine going into like colder air. Yeah. So, and no one wants to sit in their car for 20 minutes for the thing to sort of equalize out. Right. I know I don't. Right. So Is that kind of the theory behind a cool, cool down lap for motorcycles and car racers as well? Well, definitely air-cooled engines. Yeah, for sure. So it's mainly mo- air-cooled thing that I see. A, like motorcycle air-cooled yeah. engines, yeah. But so then, and then oddly, then you have like turbo timers, which like run the, the turbo. But I can't even remember what that does now. It spins the turbo after you turn the engine off. What is it? It runs coolant. Uh, whatever you're using to cool the turbo through the turbo now. Right, so it, like either oil or coolant through yeah. the turbo so that you don't do the same thing. You don't have differential cooling, basically. Yeah. Nice. The first the first version of that, I think you're right, it just ran the motor yeah. and the turbo spun at idle, basically, for a period of time so that everything could kind of drop in temperature and you were still circulating coolant or oil through those. And then they're like, that, yeah, why don't we just put a pump like, on them? So if you'd been driving hard hard in a turbocharged car and then you just stopped, you had all of this oil in the turbo. Yes, which they call coking. Right. So the whole point, one of the other functions of the turbo timer was to not run it hard, but yes. just to run it at a like a low amount, just to just to flush all of that oil out of the turbo. Yep. Not all of it, but yeah. Like, but yeah. so it didn't just sit there after you turn the engine. Off. Yep. You're right. I had actually that on my A4. I had the old school. Oh yeah, the it would just run the engine for under an extra the dash, five the, minutes. The button or whatever yep. it was. Yep. Yeah. That I had added to make that happen because those turbos were kind of like right on the the cusp of reliable. Yep. Like they were pretty reliable, but you still could do things to increase their reliability, especially if you had them hopped up. Yep. But a water cooled motor will run hotter, more comfortably, right? I mean, my Porsche generally runs at two thirty, unless I have in sport mode, and then as you know, it drops down to like two fifteen. And then my E9. Is that oil or coolant? Oil. Yeah. And then the uh, my E90 is pretty much always around 230, 240. Yeah. So, I mean, the difference that you have to remember is with, with an air-cooled motor, technically they're not... I mean, they are air-cooled, but technically they're oil-cooled. So, you're using oil not just to lubricate the motor, but also to cool the parts. But there's no, like, oil... You know how the, the um, those, like, rivers of coolant running through the motor water but there's none of that with the oil right yes inside the motor inside yes. the block and stuff like that yes. there's all the oil, as well it's like what they 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 design all the oil return channels to to distribute the heat gotcha as well as distribute the lubricant i yeah. did not know that i thought it was just it would just be water <laughs> running through there and the oil would just be you know making the crankshaft not well there's no water fire. in an air-cooled motor no i know yeah. I'm, t- I'm talking about water cooled oh water cooled yeah Water cooled, you're you're using the oil mainly for lubrication, mainly. That's what I mean. I'm talking about water cooled. Yeah, <laughs> I. But again, see the thing. Like, I can't remember. So this is one of those things. If somebody's listening, call me on this because this is this is my non-technical impression. My th- feeling was that in the original water-cooled Porsche motors, they were using the water to cool the heads, and the block was running kind of a similar set of, like, oil channels to what air-cooled motors do. Okay. I could totally be wrong about that. The only thing I'm thinking is when I built the engine of my truck, which is just a typical old American V8, it only had water running through everything 
water lines running through everything. I didn't notice any oil uh, other than in the oil pan making the crank, you know, and the pistons lubricated. Um, you might have, I mean, you'd obviously have to have oil lubricating the valve train as well. Yeah. So I guess that's where the sump comes in. It kind of like pulls it up to that area. You're right. But you're just basically squirting oil on the parts that are connecting like metal to metal. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's a good point, actually. There is oil on top of the motor and on the bottom. So there's got to be connecting points there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, they just run it up a channel. Yep. Cool stuff. Yeah. So anyway, that's all good. Good. In not great news. (laughs) (laughs) Ben's had a week. So you remember how last week, (laughs) maybe not last week, but last... It was 2023. No, but we talked about this last week because I said, hey, I'm taking the car into precision. Yes. That was last week. We were joking that they were cold calling us trying to get our business. Yeah. Yeah. So I took the kids to school, which, you know, that's two hours before precision wakes up. So, (laughs) So I drive the kids to school. On the way to school, uh, I was... I'm going to be, I'm trying to remember. I was upshifting from third to fourth on, I can't actually, no, it wasn't on our favorite um, exit ramp. It wasn't on our favorite exit ramp, but it was like just before there. First of all, I got a TPMS light. So the tire pressure management system, which uh, like, because the car is 2014 and they hadn't yet started putting the actual air pressure senders inside the tires the tire pressure monitoring system in my car it literally um counts how many times the wheel goes round Hmm. um, for the speed that you're going so it's basically averaging the speed that all four uh, wheels are going round and if one wheel starts going round at a different rate it says oh you must have a flat tire whoa yeah i had no idea that's bizarre okay so in order for that to work the sensors and the computer that is calculating the speed of the wheels like has to be getting all the information that it needs and it has to understand the information that it's get, that it's that it needs now the weird thing is i'd actually had this tpms error once before about 2 weeks ago and you know occasionally it'll just do that because like the tires wear down and sometimes the tires are not wearing evenly or maybe you have like a really slow leak in one of the tires and i think that actually i did have a really slow leak or one of the pressures was different for whatever reasons so that system will pick up even like a one pound loss in pressure no it, it needs or, to be like five or ten pounds okay okay yeah something dangerous something something significant right or at least gotcha. that's probably i mean it, it probably can tell the difference they just don't calibrate the alert until they do that so all you do is you go and check the tire pressures and you set them to what they need to be. And then you go into the dash and you go reset and it goes, okay, I'm going to relearn the rates that the wheels are going and you've reset me. Great. So I did that. And then uh, I didn't get this error again until the Friday morning when I was, or Thursday morning when I was taking the kids to school in the car. So I get the TPMS come up and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then a moment later I get like the, like, you know what's the <laughs> master caution warning <laughs> right the master the, caution alert the big, the like, big exclamation yeah, point yeah it's like pull over triangle. now uh, yeah. 1202 alarm yeah there you go <laughs> if it doesn't happen again we're okay yeah well it happened again 
Same era, same type, same type. We're going on that flight. No, it wasn't. It was uh, unfortunately it was not. We're going on that at all. No, the transmission uh, error came up on the dash, and literally, I can't remember exactly what the wording is. It's like literally, stop driving the car now. Oh my god! Kind of alert. Stop and it's see like, here. Yeah, there is something very wrong. Yeah. Achtung! Yeah. Did you say stop and see here? Yeah. Stop and see here. <laughs> That's good. Halt! Halt, please. Uh, show me your blonde children. Yes. <laughs> Peppers. So yeah, uh, it's like literally mm. transmission error. Stop driving the car. Oof. And I, I'm like, okay. So did you say okay out loud? I was, I was like trying not to panic with the kids, <laughs> kids in the car in the middle of rush hour oh, traffic God. trying to get to school. And I'm like, okay, that's um, okay. What do I do? All right. So the car's still rolling, um, and I like try to accelerate. Nothing. I'm like, whoa. Then I look down, and even though the gear selector is in drive, the car has put itself into neutral. So I I like roll to a stop. (laughs) That's no good. (laughs) I roll to a stop, put my foot on the brake, and I try to change the drive selector, and it won't move. Oh, no. It's like, it will not move. It's like like locked. locked. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I turn the car off. And I wait a beat. That's like emergency mode for the car. Yeah, it basically, it's like, it's like don't break me. Limp mode is right. what they call it, right? Yeah. So, so I'm like, okay. So I stop the car, turn the car off, wait a beat, start the car back up. It looks like the transmission selector is like normal. It's in park, or it's in, it was in neutral. I move it to park, I move it to drive, and I drive away. Hmm. And then I keep driving, and then literally two minutes later, all of the air lights go out and they're gone on the dash. Hmm. weird yeah so but you're in drive you didn't switch it to manual i can't remember what i was in at that point i'd probably just drive okay so then i uh, finished taking the kids to school um get back in the car i drive to work and i'm like great well i'll go and do the couple of calls and stuff i've got to do and then uh i'll see if i can get the car going again and take it down to precision i'm like well i'm it's going down to get checked out today anyway so they can look at this so car started fine drove down there fine no problem at all get in there and i you know i speak to the guys and i say okay so you're going to check out all this other stuff on the car you're just going to do a basic like their 175 point check or whatever and and they're like great and i said oh and and also this happened this morning (laughs) and by the way it's about to blow up yeah Yeah. and you know i keep that uh little um bluetooth um obd tester thing in the car so that i can just plug it in and there's a little app on my phone I can just scan for stuff so I already knew what the like the the error codes were drop the car off go go look up the error codes and I'm like oh god this does not look good so anyway they do their 175 point check they don't find anything wrong with the car they're like oh you need a brake fluid flush and I'm like great do that so they do that and I said what about those what about the transmission stuff and they're like yeah yeah, we're going to take a good look at that they looked at all the codes they drove the car. Car was fine. Um, cleared the codes, and they're like, "Great, we hope. We hope it's. We think we am, we're really hoping it was just a gremlin, and it won't do it again. We can't see anything wrong. Can't see anything in the codes. We've driven the car. We've tested it. Blah blah blah. Great. So I go and pick up the car Thursday evening. I go to school to pick the kids up from school, and then um, same thing happens, like on the freeway in traffic. The same. The whole the whole same scenario happens, and I'm sitting there going. And I literally, it was like 5.15 or 5.30 or whatever it was. So I called Brandon 
at precision and, and i'm like i'm in traffic and the car is like a rock i like you know and he's like oh my god do you want to do you want us to like send a tow truck like and i said no no no. i think i could probably do you get- want the passat wagon yeah yeah, you're a loner. It's want, like lowered with crappy rims. Sorry. Uh, do you want to, you know, do you, do you need me to come pick you up? And I'm like, no, no, no. I think I could probably get it going. Uh, he said, well, do you want to just bring it straight back here? And I'm like, it's Friday. Like, what are you, you going to do with what it? What are you going to do yeah. with it? Like, you're not going to do Nothing. anything with it today. So, I mean, I might as well just keep it over the weekend and we'll just figure out what to do next week. So that's what I did. And I got home and it was fine. And then um, I subsequently kind of realized that it had only ever done it when you put the car into manual, right? So there's the gear shift selector where you like select park and drive and um, reverse. And then when you're in drive, you can uh, not pull the gear shift lever back, but you can like tap it. It's like the Tiptronic, right? Yeah. So you can like pull it back. As opposed to using the paddles. Yes. So you can do that and it will switch between drive and sport. Right. So still in automatic, right. drive and sport. The, the two lights light yeah. up and you just flip it. You, you clip it. It like, doesn't actually move, right? It literally it is move. just a... But, but it goes back to the original position. Correct. Yeah. It it's physically like, doesn't move to another position, right? No, because if it did, it would be going into reverse. Yeah. Okay. So you do that and you can, put it, you can switch it between drive and sport, but you can also move the whole shifter to the right. Right. And then, and then when you move it up and down, it's going selecting up and down in the gear sequential, right? Right. right. When it's in, actually when it's in that mode, or when it's in any mode, you can just override with the paddles, right? So, but um, we've talked about this before. But if you, <laughs> it's really dumb. But if you're in drive and you just move it to the right to go to manual mode, then the shift timing is slower than if you move it to sport. And then move it to the right. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Mm. So there's this whole there are threads on Audi Zine and all. So that. you have to drop it into sport, have the sport have it, light, it, have, have it have the sport light show, and then move it, and then move it, and the and then the the upshifts are quicker. Is that the same on my crappy Q5? Probably. Okay. Well, except you've got a. Um, I have the slush box transmission. Yeah, you've got torque vectoring. Well, yeah. Not to, not. To, Why? I mean, it's not it dual clutch. It's not a look at me. I mean, they call it Tiptronic as well, but it's <coughs> not really Tiptronic or whatever, DSG or whatever the hell Audi calls it. What do they call that? S-Tronic? Yeah, it's S-Tronic, but what's the... It's a... Um, it's a torque converter. That's the word I'm looking for. It's a torque converter versus a dual clutch, which yeah. is just what's in mind. Yeah. Anyway. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I have not put it into manual since last week, and this has not reoccurred. Okay, so the car is totally drivable, but no man. It's utterly drivable. It's utterly drivable. It's <laughs> hey, just it's turned itself into a Q5, yes. <laughs> um, With slightly faster shifts. So uh, in the meantime, on Saturday afternoon, I was like, I am going to go dig out uh, Cameron's... Oh, uh, the VAGCOM? Yeah, the VAGCOM cable. I'm going to go dig out my PC computer that I use for astrophotography. This was actually quite fun because what I realized is that I could plug in the VAGCOM cable to the PC and then just put the PC in the car and the PC is connected to the Wi-Fi in the house and I could just remote to the PC from my desk in here in the garage. So I was, cool. like, I was like talking to my car from the, from the sitting That's here. That's pretty cool. Which was pretty cool. But it did mean that I could do like a really comprehensive scan from like top to bottom and get all of the codes, get get all the readout. Um, 
And instead of like being rushed at work or like rushed on the side of the road when I was trying to figure it out, I was like, okay, I'm going to go through each one of these codes really methodically and figure out exactly what happened when and where and, and why. So I did that. And after some research, which, you know, that's what are they? People say you should never try and look up this stuff on the, <laughs> it's like Dr. Google, it's but like for Dr. Cars. Yeah. Dr. Google. Yeah. Don't do that. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, I was going like, to ask you when you see the codes, that's the first thing I do is yeah. I type the code in and the kind the car of car has cancer. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and it's so, anal cancer. <laughs> it's cancer of the dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it turns out that the, this era it's all to do with the gear shift lever. There is a sensor that tells so ridiculous. There is a sensor that tells the computer which position the gear shift lever is in, and therefore which mode the car should be in—drive right. or reverse yeah. or neutral or uh, sport or manual. Right? It tells the computer this is the position that the driver has put the selector into, so the transmission should be in this mode. Right. So. When you understand that, and then you understand if there's something wrong with that sensor, one of the first things that might happen is it go, oh, I don't understand the speed that the wheels are moving. I'm going to throw the TPMS error. Oh, right, fascinating. That makes sense now, right? Yeah, it does. So then immediately after that, it goes, no, 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 I, I don't understand which, I don't understand what drive mode you have the car in and the car's moving and I don't know what, I don't know if the gear that you're in is the right gear. Right. Why does that matter? Because if you get to three miles an hour, it's going to make sure you're in first gear, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Even, in, even in manual, it's not going to stall the car. Right. So it has to know what speed you're in. If you're going 90 miles an hour, it won't let you shift to second. Right. So there's a whole bunch of like computer logic that and it, really Based needs, on the it really needs to know what mode you have the transmission in. Yeah. Not, not what mode the car is in, but what mode the driver selected right. from the gear selector. Yeah. So the sensor that tells the computer what position that's in, that's pretty important. Let me guess how much that cost. I I don't understand why for such an important sensor you would put it right inside the middle of the transmission. Probably with a bunch of oil around it. Is the sensor more than 30 bucks? The sensor is more than $30. Is it $200. Is it 200 bucks? It's about 200 bucks. Oh, that's more than I would have thought. The, in, I mean, it's with one of these repairs, it's so dumb. The sensor is two hundred bucks. The harness that it connects to and all the wires is like five hundred bucks. But you have to dismantle the entire transmission. Yeah, it's which, the labor that's killing. Yeah, which God. by the book apparently is twenty hours. Right, you have to lower the whole transmission out of the car, Andy, and you have to dismantle the clutch pack from the transmission. And then you have to dismantle the transmission to get to the sensor. Yeah. So all of the seals and all of the single-use bolts and all of the filters and all all of that shit needs to be Which you were going to do that anyway, right? I just did it it last year. I did Uh, all the transmission stuff last year. Yuck. Wow. That sucks. So now what? So now what? Uh, I'm getting quotes. I'm going to try to get a bunch of different quotes from different people. Um, I do need to get the car like scanned and diagnosed. Yeah. I've asked, I'm taking the car to precision tomorrow. They're going to do that. I've asked them to check some basic shit. Like when you did the transmission service, did you put enough transmission fluid in the transmission? 
That's critical for the dumb reason that you've already said that the transmission and clutch plates are all spinning around in oil. Yeah. How are they going to know that? I mean, are they going to just, just look at their their history and just say, okay, we we bought this many no, quarts? No, I, I want them to check it. They can you transmission has to cool down, has to be between 60 and 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, that's right. You haven't touched it since then. Huh? You haven't touched no, it I since then. No, I haven't touched then. it since then. So, it's a sealed thing. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So like and then you then you fill it up until it overflows. Now, if they didn't put enough in, the heat could damage this sensor. Is that is that kind of where you're th- what you're thinking is? <clears throat> I I don't know about I don't know about that I don't know for sure but um but I I do know that when you are calibrating a new transmission selector control unit that you have to make sure that you have the correct amount of fluid in there that you've cleared all the errors and that you have quote adapted the the electronics so they need to do all of that. I suspect that it needs to go to the Audi dealership just to check the firmware version of the transmission control unit. That's all the basic stuff you should check before you embark on a complete dismantling and rebuilding of your entire transmission. Yeah, you got to make sure. So I haven't done any of that yet. Gotcha. I have another question. Yeah. Are there any other cars that that transmission is in? Yeah. What? S4. S4. Interesting. And the R8 has a different transmission? It does have a slightly different transmission. Is it because of the layout of the engine? I don't know. Uh, what, I, what I do know is that this, this, the transmission selector sensor thing is it's not the same unit and the transmission control unit, the, the mechatronic as it's called, it's not the same unit in the S4 because the S4 had a lot of problems. Huh, interesting. Uh, 2013... RS5s had the same problem mm. and then they upgraded and changed the mechatronic and all of this electronics for the 2014 and onwards. Got it. Not a huge issue in the US because the, the RS5 didn't come to the US until the 2013 model. So um, there, aren't, there aren't very many of them in the US and I certainly was hoping it wasn't going to be an issue for mine. Mm. But, but at 108,000 miles, I guess it is. Now, the car's getting up there in miles. Have you considered... Selling the car? What's your mentality behind, you know, what's, what's what the, are you thinking? What's the definition of getting up there in miles? That's about, well, half, yeah, it, no, that's I get about it. half its lifetime. Yeah. Well, for me, I usually, I say, oh, I'm going to keep this car to 250,000 miles. And then right around 150 or 120 sometimes, uh, even though I love the car, other things start going wrong. All these little nooks and crannies start showing up, you know? Yeah. Is this for any car or just like what you'd be dailying? Like, is there a difference um, between, like, the second car and the main car? I usually don't have that kind of situation. Right now I do, but normally I just have, like, my main car. So when your 911 gets to 100 and something thousand miles, you think you're just going to ditch no, it? No, I'm going to hold on to that for as long as I possibly can, which is what I always say. So there's your answer. But, but then, okay, <laughs> cool, cool. No, that's always my mentality. Oh. But but like my old M3, for example, it got up to 140,000 miles before I sold it. And my plan was to keep it forever. I love that car. But it just kept breaking. And it became such a headache that I was just like, I'm done. Same thing with my um, 535i wagon. I, I will say this about... <laughs> all all uh, BMWs. Uh, yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll say this about my car. I've, <laughs> I've never had a car that I've managed to keep as nice. Yeah. 
to, I mean, you've to, actually made that nicer than to, when you got to that, it. To that age. Yeah, it's like such it, a great car. In terms of, in terms of years and mileage. Yeah. Like every other car, there's been something broken or there's like a, been a, a knob well, or I mean, a switch missing. Or the like, car wasn't as nice when you got it. Like you've made it nicer than it was oh, when you got sure. it. Oh, sure. I fixed up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there were some other maintenance issues and just general things that were kind of tired when you got that car. But yep. I mean, for the number of rs5s on the road and specifically the na v8s it's worth keeping on the road yeah yeah i think so cool i i, I was just kind of gauging if you still love it oh yeah i do okay cool i kind of i'm hating it a little bit right now sure i understand but i don't know i mean i, I i've had it five years yeah i think that's about right five years and like i, I when i got it it was like sixty-eight thousand. so i've done forty thousand miles on it and I haven't really had to. I mean, I've had a bunch of problems for sure, but not, it hasn't not, like it hasn't drained you of cash. No, no, they've been catastrophic problems when they've gone wrong. But you're not you're not in huge numbers on the repairs. No, no, because they they were they weren't covered under warranty. But everything we came sort of came to an arrangement with everything. So yeah. nothing has cost a lot of money. Right, right. So I kind of I'm like. It's not that I kind of like feel like, oh, well, I'm due a big repair bill, but, but, I, I, do, thinking, but I do too. keep thinking this is one whole hell of a lot of car I've driven for five years and 40,000 yeah. miles that hasn't really cost a lot in terms of maintenance. Yeah. Totally. Well, Evan was... I probably spent more money on tires than I have in repairs. Yeah, could be. That's definitely my case so far. Evan was looking suspiciously at the, uh, the CDI box in the Carrera. When I said the CDI box had over 400,000 miles on it. <laughs> yeah. I went scavenging. I had Ross scavenge parts out of the box when he, because same motor, right? Yeah. yeah. Now that motor's sitting in the garage, and then he brought a box of parts home. And I was like, hey, um, remember I sent you that photo of that thing? You still got that? Like, yeah. tell me you didn't throw that away. And he's like, no, I still got it. And he sends me a photo, and he's like, it, it was like, circle in the photo the thing that you need right <laughs> and i'm like it's in the upper right hand corner like take that over to the shop and he's like okay but yeah highlight it, it looks yeah. like an old amplifier like that was yeah it's ridiculous you know, it's got fins and yeah yeah it's ridiculous. major fins like, yeah yeah not as big as an old amplifier but. but anyway yeah like i mean there's mechanical shit that's worth saving and the rs5 sure. seems like it's worth saving totally Somebody asked me the other day. So they were like, "I was." It was Lindsay actually in Germany, and he, I was because I was telling him about it. And he said, "Well, can you repair it?" And I was like, "You know what? If I had like three weeks when I didn't have to do anything <laughs> and a lift, yeah, <laughs> I'd probably would try and do it." Sure. Well, that's a big undertaking. Transmissions are the one thing that really scare me. I'll rebuild a motor; doesn't bother me. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not afraid of that, but I am afraid of transmission. I, I watched. I, I watched ages ago. I watched a video of somebody taking apart like the actual like clutch pack from one of those DSG transmissions. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> it's like a white, like a like a clean room operation. Yeah, now. exactly. I mean, yeah, you gotta. It's like a watch. There's it's so much shit watch. in there. It's like like wafer after wafer of like stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah everything's got to go in at the right and this guy was just like place. He, was, he was like uh, again he was like the like the muppet chef he was just like left right left right and he's like <laughs> throwing this stuff all over the place and i was like how the hell are you gonna remember how all that goes back together but he did so because he probably does it every day yeah 
It's like an oddly satisfying video on Reddit or something, you know. Just yeah. What annoys me is that why would why would a manufacturer put a sensor that had the potential to do this inside something that basically takes eighteen? It's like like replacing the sensor when you get to where the sensor is is probably twenty minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it takes nine hours to get to that point, and then nine hours to put or whatever it takes to get to it and to put it back together. I guess it takes probably six hours to take it apart and like twelve hours to put it all back together. I don't know, but like, why? Yeah. Either put a better sensor in the first place so this never happens. You think right? one of the engineers would have raised their hands and been like, um... That doesn't happen. <laughs> it's like, a, I'm sure they happens. spent... And the, you know the other thing, which I which I hate, is the... What I call like the modular repair mentality. Yeah. Right? I'm doing the same thing on the dishwasher, just to completely change to a different analogy, right? <laughs> the dishwasher is really noisy. It makes this whirring sound. We specifically bought that dishwasher because they're quiet. Because it's silent. Yeah. Right. So it was silent for a year, and then it suddenly started making this noise. Now you go look and research this, and it's like the circulation motor. I'm like, okay. So I took it apart, found the motor, found the replacement motor, and I was like, I when I ordered it, uh, but not before I had looked at the motor and gone, how is this making noise? Right. But nobody anywhere on the internet says, well, what you do is you take it apart and you like, you know, you lubricate the axle of the motor and you clean this and you, and I was like, why, why am I just ordering the component? Like, which isn't a, an individual component. It's an entire module. Yeah. It's the assembly. It's the whole assembly. Like it's the can motor you, can, and the ha, pump. Have you been able to run it outside? You know, like just the motor itself. I thought about doing that, but uh, yeah, I, I just, if I'm honest, hook up some electrodes to yeah, it. I could have done. See what happens. Yeah, no, no, I could have done, but I, to be honest, I just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, I was like, okay. It's like a two hundred dollar module, but I did take it apart and clean it, and I lubricated the motor, and that didn't make any difference. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll order the part. That's what I did before I ordered the part. Right. But it's the same thing with the sensor. I bet if you like got to the point where you got the transmission apart, you got the sensor board out, you got it onto a bench, and you actually diagnosed it, you'd probably figure out it's like one three dollar component on the board. Yeah, probably. That is actually the thing that's at fault. Yeah. Right? So you're going to end up spending thousands of dollars to take this thing apart, put a new one in, and you're doing that because some like 20 cent component failed. Right? Yeah. And I don't understand for such a like so uh like a function critical component in the car, why don't we why wouldn't you just spend a bit more money and put a better quality thing in there in the first place? Well, I mean, I'm sure they probably did some analysis of like duty cycle, right? It's like mean time between failures of this particular part was probably something astronomical in their minds, right? Mm-hmm. And then they probably figured that out. It's like, well, hundred thousand miles, hundred thousand miles, yep. and you know, if but, it by fails, the way, that is the definition of lifetime. One hundred thousand miles, really? Yeah, I remember on my A4, the fuel filter had quote a lifetime. Yeah. Right. And then, then fucking Audi and Volkswagen, they yeah, love that shit. They do. And then you find the small print, and it's actually lifetime equals 100,000 miles. Right. I never knew that. That's unacceptable. Well, I mean, that's it not doesn't lifetime. necessarily mean for every car company, but that's Volkswagen's yeah. definition. Bizarre. Yeah. Hey, you know, our listeners are going to want to know what happened to your dishwasher. <laughs> I don't think they care about my dishwasher. I, I care. Do I'm, you? I'm insanely curious to see if you can get that thing silent or if you have to replace the whole thing. The, it, the module arrived today. Okay, cool. I was wondering where you're at with it. Yep. All right, cool. Well, next week we'll have to update people. Stand by. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dad, dish, dad's dish, with dishwasher. Dishwasher updates. <laughs> the, uh, my favorite dishwasher ever from that standpoint was the Fisher and Pagel dish drawer. Because the mean time between failure for things was not as long as, say, like your standard dishwasher. But that module that you're talking about, uh, as long as the pump didn't go out, but the washer module, the thing that spun the... Yeah. If that went bad, that was like a $60 part, and it literally, you und- you it was all plastic. You undid this ring, and you pulled it out, and you just dropped another one in and like tightened the ring. Right, nice. And the motor, the motor was literally just magnets. Yep. And they just ran an electrical current around the bottom <laughs> of the dishwasher, and it like turned the thing, and it right. was like, brilliant. So that could sit in water for years before it would crap out. So did you have like a vending machine with those parts in it? I just had a box of them down <laughs> under my yeah. in, in my basement. I'm just like, yeah, every uh, like five years, this is going to go out. Yeah. And the great thing was they went out at different times and you had two drawers, so you weren't screwed. Yep. So, yeah, yeah got to love the Kiwis with their keeping it simple. It reminds me, actually. I, got, I, did, this, I did a similar thing. The control board for the... The furnace went out, and it that looks like something out of the space program. Yeah, I remember you were saying that. <laughs> it's like it's so an, so the ancient. Mercury program. It's so ancient, <laughs> and yet you go on Amazon and you can buy a replacement. Yeah, board. nice. Yeah. yeah. So I bought the replacement board, and then I, uh, <laughs> I component. I went to like what I can't remember what it's called. How, how do you say it? Component component level diagnosis of the old board. And I figured out where the problem was on the old board. And then I ordered the component for the old board, which I have since repaired. Just soldered it in. Yeah, I replaced all the components that had blown on the old board. Now I have a backup board. There you go. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's always fun when that stuff works. Doesn't happen often. No. No. But it's nice when that works. Yeah. That's why I find it frustrating. Like, like, uh, back to me telling Lindsay about this whole thing, I was like, yeah, I don't have three weeks that I could just immerse myself in this problem and not do anything else. I don't have a lift. I don't have the f- couple of bits of, you know, equipment that you would have to have. I, I just don't have that to be able to tackle this myself, which is really annoying because I'm going to have to pay somebody to take it all apart. And that's the easy bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That I'd be is. like, can I, you just put it up on the lift. I'll get it all out for you. You do the difficult bit and then I'll put it all back together. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, like, it's funny. That's what we did with Jeff's. Cortina, right? It's like we dropped the transmission and oh, when he was replacing his gearbox, yeah, we dropped the transmission and the drive shaft. He ordered a replacement transmission. We just stuck it back in there, and it was hilarious when he brought the transmission back. We were probably in maybe two hours, and then all of a sudden everything's in there, and like ten minutes later, he's driving the car. It's just like the weirdest thing that you're like. Two hours ago, there was a gaping space in the bottom of this car where there was like no transmission, <laughs> no drive shaft, nothing. And then all of a sudden, he's just pulling bolts off the side of the lift, and the transmission's in, and then the drive shaft's in, and then he's driving it. Hmm. And it was just like, I'm half, much like when he left Ben and I, or when he came back, it's like, do you want us to follow you down? Like, that does not seem great. I'm like, do you want me to follow you home, like just in case? Like, no, it'll be fine, totally fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was just kind of amazing. But now the clutch, like, 
something happened and oil got on the clutch and so the clutch is slipping so the transmission's out of it again mm. but yeah well so two things yeah hi jeff hi, hi jeff. jeff i bumped into him in safeway <laughs> the other night oh did you yeah. yeah it's cool he lives like right by you uh and then uh secondly this whole thing had me if i'm honest i was pretty depressed at the weekend I yeah like, i was like yeah, this, that, this I, sucks I yeah, that's that. a bummer this you know and it's like you're kind of like you know looking out your car going i can't go for a drive i mean i can drive it but i can't really go for a real drive yeah um it did have me kind of yearning for something without computers in it yeah you know that there's something to be said for exactly what you're just describing with Jeff's car. It's like, you know what? If third gear doesn't work, I'll just stay in fourth. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's manual, and I'll tell it when it's going to change gear, and I'll do the clutches. You know, it's like, it, I kind of like felt that over the weekend. I was just yeah. like, you know what? Why? Do, I just don't want to deal with all of this shit. Plugging my car into a computer and having the computer talk to it and figuring out what fucking error codes it's sending out in what order. Right? Totally. You yeah. know. Yeah, I'm at that place where I'm like, carburetors would be really yeah, great totally. at this point. Carburetors, manual, alternator, like... Like simple shit, where simple you're just literally shit. like, yes, I must tighten the belt so that the alternator continues to run kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you say that, and the grass is always greener because you you'll have well, yeah. just as many problems keeping that yeah, shit I mean, running. My shit's always broken, so like, it's... <laughs> I was... I backed the car out tonight, and I was back to one headlight... And it was kind of sputtering when it started up. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, really? <laughs> like, it's been in the garage like two days and it's fucked up. And it's like, well, I know what the headlight problem is. So I had the headlight up and going. It was mainly like, shit, it's dark and I need to make sure this happens before. Like, Evan's like, hey, I'm ready to go. And I literally like snapped the fuse panel back on and like my phone's like, ding. <laughs> I was like, I'm free. I'm like, I'm backing out of the driveway. Perfect. <laughs> Hopefully the car starts. So, yeah. Yeah. It is one of those, like, grass is always greener things. Um, yeah. Hey, news. What's up? Let's hear it. Well, I mean, I shared with you guys, but since we're recording <clears throat> a podcast... We'll pretend we don't know. We'll act really surprised. <laughs> All right, what happened? Act surprised when he tells you. Yeah. To start again. Do it again. Yeah. Tell us again. So my car got a VIN number today. Woohoo! <laughs> well, let's be. Let's clarify. Yeah. Your, your new car. Yeah. The car that that I don't own yet has a VIN number now. The allocation. And then an hour later, I got you know the phone went ding again, and I got some hard to understand. Uh email and an alert in the Porsche app saying, guess what? Your car's done. Done being built. Done being built. So now they will, I guess, drive it, test it, and then it will get packaged up and pushed to a port. See, I didn't think there was any way your car could get built that fast. Three so, days. So when you said my car is done, I was like, but I thought the Porsche was done like yeah, you a, thought a week ago. The old one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You have to specify. You, you were like, got too did many. they put the oil cooler in it? I'm like, I hope so. Right. <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> Hopefully there's multiple oil coolers in there, one for the transmission and one for the engine. Uh, so um, I've always been fascinated by this. Yep. So they finished building your car. They're going to go drive it and test it. It it does get a few miles put on it to make sure that everything works. When it's delivered, what's the mileage on the car? It's usually somewhere under 
75. Oh, that high? I mean, when we got the Discovery, the Discovery had like 68 miles on it. Really? I was going to guess like three. Like motorcycles, for example, when I bought my brand new GS, it had three miles on it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I think everybody's thing is different, you know? There may be some manufacturers that don't plug the odometer in until... That's what that I was. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, do they not plug that in, or do they know. reset it, or like what? Who knows? The listeners are going to want to know. Well, <laughs> make a note. We'll figure that out when it gets delivered. So, and they gave you a date, didn't it? Say December twenty fifth. It's uh, the twentieth of December now. It was originally like the sixteenth. It's gone up by four days, and cool. Everything is basically Merry Christmas. Four days, because I think last. They're going to put a big red bow on it for you? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when you go there, there's going to have like the black silk cover on it, and they're going to like, oh, pull if it, it doesn't off. have the black silk cover, I'm kind of bummed. I'm, I, uh, Is wh- that a thing? Why do I keep I seeing know. those videos? Yeah, I know. So that, that's weird. why I ask. I mean, I don't want a video of it, but, you know, it'd be fun to have them be like, ta da. It's your brand new base Carrera. Herndy, herndy, herndy. The guy's like all the way from Germany after a what was the term? Just in sequence. sequence. Oh, just in sequence, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely want to be there if we you know if we can yeah, to, sure. to witness this. Somebody's gotta drive me there. There you go. I'd be honored. Yeah. So three days. Then if your car works by then, you know, maybe you can. Thanks. <laughs> you could do the same thing that I did, just drop yours off and walk out with something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was fascinating because I think last podcast we were saying it was going to go into production Monday. It went into production on Tuesday, or at least that's when I got the the notification. So it could have been Monday. They never changed it and said, oh, yeah, we're a day late. It still said the 22nd or whatever, and then today. So it's either three or four days from sequence to car with wheels that you can roll around in. I wonder if they're going to send you a photo of it. That's, yeah, that's my, that was my next question. I think they're supposed to do that, or yeah, maybe it's I think just that's, the GT car. I don't know. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I think that's standard. They have that stock photo with the car, and then it's got the two yellow things on both sides, like at the end of the factory, kind of at the end of the line, essentially. That'd be, that'd be great yeah. if they I mean, gave me that. No big deal. Just curious. I mean, supposedly they, they have, you know, when you do order a car, you get some kind of documentation of it. I don't know. We'll see. Exciting, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Is this it's not your first brand new car, is it? No, it's not my first brand new car. Uh How many brand new cars have I had? Are we talking about the ones that are just mine? Sure. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I've ever bought a brand new car now that I think of it. My Mark 6 GTI was brand new, the Mazda Speed 3 was brand new. I had a brand new Volvo uh s 70 t5 so now not not word my only new cars you ever bought a new car uh the jeep was brand new okay uh the mx5 i was gonna say the mx5 maybe that was brand new that's cool yeah oh the mx5 yeah anna's mark 6 gti was the first new car that she got and then the disco or the defender is the only other new car she's ever had and not to like spend a bunch of time on a car that's not mine oh yeah you love that thing i i mean 
So Ben has this this great saying about right tool for the right job, you know, watches, etc. Sure. Like, yeah. The defender is fucking amazing <laughs> in <laughs> shitty weather. And I like I don't know how I mean there's so many things about that car that now that I've driven it a little bit, I'm just like how did they do this? Um the steering weights up really quite a bit when I guess it senses rain. The way in which the throttle works, and like I didn't do anything. I just got behind the wheel and I drove down 80 back from Tahoe this weekend, and it was raining pretty heavy when we left Tahoe. And I've never driven anything through rain, like to the point where you couldn't really see too far ahead so it was raining pretty heavily and everybody in the car was like maybe you should slow down <laughs> and i'm doing like 90 like through <laughs> through the and and finally like and nobody said anything until like anna looked over and saw the speed on the dash and she's like could you slow down and i looked down i was like holy shit i'm doing 90 <laughs> miles an hour in a wow like six thousand pound yeah. SUV that like it, it, it had you had that much confidence in it. I mean, I, like I said, I don't know what they've done to the drive modes or how they manage all of the vehicle dynamics, but it doesn't sway. It doesn't do anything weird, and it's was it stuck in kilometers per hour? No, it's in miles <laughs> per hour. Did, did you have to change settings and get it prepared to be in the? You know, did you have to press the rain button or? Nope. Nope, it was Any just in, in. It just did it automatically. It was in comfort mode. Okay, and it. She got the one that has air suspension, so it's like the X dynamic. Um, so that I'm sure plays into it. So it adjusts the vehicle height for different situations. It'll go up or down. That's badass. Sheep or no sheep. Sheep or no sheep. <laughs> <laughs> they have a. They have a. A, a stream. Ford, Ford, of course. Like mode, I was like, how very English. And Anna's nice. like, well, you never know when you're gonna need to, you know, Ford Stream. I'm like, okay. Do you do you have a? You know how like cars have, like Mercedes has that thing where you can change the interior lighting, the color of the interior yeah. lighting. Yeah. Does it have a tweed setting? <laughs> really shit. I mean, uh, I neither of you have been in it. It. My only stipulation, so she took me with her to the dealer, and I was like, my only stipulation is you don't get one that's, like, all the trims in leather. No bling. Yeah. I was like, if you're getting this thing, it needs to look like an urban assault vehicle on the inside. And, and, you know, we have an 80-pound German Shepherd and 11-year-old. Like I'm like, get something that you can legit, like, hose the inside out. And because I know that I'm going to be the person to maintain and clean, I was like, I want it as easy as possible. Yeah. We got home, mud everywhere in that thing. I literally just took all the mats out, like whacked them, like hosed off all the mats, threw the mats back in, went in and just wiped down the interior. I was done in like 10 minutes. Yeah, awesome. And it was like spotless on the inside. Were, like, there, there, were there any Labradors? Did they come out of the woodwork? <laughs> no, no, lab- no foxes. No. no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What are the uh, windshield, any badges? Are, are the windshield wipers pretty crazy? 
No, they're just like the rear just, windshield wiper is pretty nuts. Like I don't know how it does what it does. It kind of has that weird. Like you'll be familiar with this. The you know how the Mercedes the sink. Like yeah, yeah, it, it goes ex- all, exactly. Like, yeah. That's what I picture. It has like a camshaft inside. Yeah, of it. Yeah. it like it's pivots like, do do at some point. Yeah, the back <laughs> wiper does that. The fronts don't. They're just normal. The badges are in the engine, by the way. The badges are in the engine, <laughs> along the, with the, the, three, honey the, three, the three-legged, uh, whatever those things Sloth? are. No, they've, it's a badger, I guess. Oh. But uh, I, I quickly <laughs> got, got to work, and she parked the car one weekend, and she came out, and she's like, you stickered my car. I'm like, I did. <laughs> Where'd you put it? So there's a sticker on the back that says, the West Midlands. Nice. That's cool. Um, and then I... Stuck the two counties that she's from because they can't decide whether oh. it's Herefordshire or Worcestershire. So I thought for sure there'd be a DWC sticker on there. Oh no, no, she's not having that. She's not having that. But uh, even the small chrome one we made, you know, I can maybe try and sneak <laughs> that in somewhere. But yeah. So anyway, uh, before my mom flew back to the UK, I uh, I gave her a whole stack of uh, dads with cars. Nice. Oh, nice. So I'm confident that they're all over Dover by now. Nice. <laughs> she hitting up the ladies' room with the dads with car stickers. No, she was going to give it. So she's there's the there's the guy who drives the taxi that comes and picks her up from the airport. Oh, cool. So and she like he she was telling me, oh, he's really into cars and he listens to podcasts. And I'm like, great, give it here, give nice. him a sticker. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, can I use that as a segue? You said moms. I just want to talk about my mom for one second. Yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah. My, my mom. Without my mom. I would never be able to be here. I'm not saying the podcast wouldn't happen because you might guys yeah, might be able pretty, to do it without pretty much me. Wouldn't happen if your mom wasn't but, hanging but out. Seriously, my my wife apparently is gone a lot of Wednesdays, and that's when we record this. And my mom steps up every time, and she's there tonight, and she was there last week, and she was there the week before. And thank you, mom. That's you're, awesome. You're yeah. amazing. And what a great thank support. You. You're a total badass. Yeah. And she hangs out with my kid. And they have a great, cute little relationship. And uh, yeah. That's awesome. I feel slightly guilty. She's older, you know, and she's my kid's grandma and she drives home at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Up but, the scary hill that your dad drives now yeah. at sub eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, he no, called they, me. He was like, I'm under eight minutes camped until 11. <laughs> hey, can you put that into the, the Google sheet for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like smashing balls, yo. Because uh, I can't run the computer. He was, he was kind of complaining about the job a little bit the other day. And whacking was, balls? Whacking balls? He was complaining about the ball whacking job. Boy. And I was thinking, two weeks, Dad. I wasn't thinking. That's what I said. I go, I'm going to give you two weeks before you realize that maybe you don't want to be working. You don't want to be smashing balls yeah. in the 60-mile-an-hour cage. Mm. Yeah. He's like bat deep in the batting cage. Anyway. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks. No, thank you, Mom. Seriously. Thanks, Evans, Mom. Huge help. I feel like we should know her name so I can be like, thanks. Bar- Bonnie. 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 Thank Bonnie. you, Bonnie. Yeah, she's awesome. Bonnie's rad. My mom is one of the smartest people I ever met, and I didn't know it until only about like when I was maybe in my 30s. I didn't realize how intelligent she was. And one of the clues I got was when I took the GRE exam you know, to get into my master's program. I had to learn the GRE words and they, you know, you can just go to the store and buy the GRE box of vocabulary words. It's 500 words. And I didn't know a lot of them. I knew maybe, I don't know, a fifth of them sounded familiar to me, but I had to really memorize all these new words. And 
my mom quizzed me one time, and I before she quizzed me, I go, you know, I'm curious. Let's see what you know. Every single word yeah. she knew, like the, and that's just one silly example, you know. Right. Does she read a lot? She reads a lot, yeah, and she just retains everything. That's awesome. And she's incredibly bright. So yeah, I was. I mean, I always thought she was a great person, but I just never also realized how freaking smart she is. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, pretty cool. Good job, mom. I guess Run. that's I guess that's where I get it from. <laughs> well, that's nice. We had a little mom moms with cars segment. Yeah, you got anything? I mean, I gave you the bit on on Anna. That was she's a mom with a car. She is a mom. Yeah, <laughs> she actually like took the time to go and like pick the thing out. Like I was surprised, and it was it was a whole. She kind of did it on her own, right? Didn't she just kind of? She was show just like, up? "Hey, I want to go do this." I was like, "Okay," and we went and tested her of it, and she came home with it. And I was just like, "Why are we doing this?" And she's like, "Because the accountant finally said I could write off a lease." I was nice. like, "Hell yeah!" So, I know what it was. You guys joined the the private school, and you were like, "I, I need to commute with these kids and keep up with the Joneses." Wait a minute, they were already in a private school. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, I mean the bottom <laughs> well, line is we need you just have to pick up some kids. Yeah, we needed a third row of seating, yeah, which seems insane. That I I like I have one child for the entire reason of I never wanted a car with a third <laughs> row of seats. <laughs> oh, and like, I, I don't know about you, but I laid that I laid down a rule oh, really God, early on. Good, I, I said I said good. I don't I don't care what car you get, but it is not going to be a minivan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> we were in the same. I'm. Same thing. I was yeah. like, I never want that smell. I never want the stupid button for the fucking rear doors. Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of like the idea of a vacuum in the back, but, you know. I love the way the side doors just slide open with the no. presser button. I'm sorry, I do. No, I don't like, own one, man. I never nope. will, but yeah, I'm just saying. It says Uber. Yeah. I drove one for like a few days. I think I was in South Florida, and we rented one. I had a bunch of family with me, and I was like, damn, I could get used to this. No. Like just the way you step into it and <laughs> no. everything. No. Yeah, it's no, like that. Remember when Toyota tried to like? They had that ad campaign for the whatever the Sienna or whatever their minivan is, and it was called the Swagger Wagon. Oh God, yeah. And it was just like, are you kidding me yeah. right now? Like, just nice try fuck off yeah. with yeah. this. You know what I did rent one time also when we were down in South Florida was a uh, Corvette. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> with the gullwing doors. <laughs> it was a Ford Flex. Oh, oh. And, and I actually really liked that. I love driving wood, it. Wood side panel? No, it had like the aluminum kind of no, okay. panel. It was black. With, actually, I think it was all black with some aluminum side paneling. I think that thing's the size of an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Uh, it just felt so really flat. cool. But that's the thing is it's not super high. Yeah. It really isn't. It's not like yeah. jacked up. You it's know? Like, a, like an escalator what, or something. What was the, the Ford in the 70s, the station wagon that they made? Don't know. Don't know. I, nah. My parents probably had anyway. it, but I don't remember the name i was like the town and country but that's like a chrysler product oh that does sound like somebody it, got yeah. su- so what <laughs> speaking of that one of my coworkers was listening to our podcast at work the other day and it was we were making fun of chrysler's or whatever shocking and she was like i drive a chrysler product and i was laughing my ass off i can't even be offended at like all the smack <laughs> you're talking right now i'm like which one do you have she's like we have a charger i was like Oh, God. oh, it's that's that's you we're talking to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel like we. I want to. I want to touch on this. Is a complete topic change. Yeah, go. Sure. Um, I don't want to touch on this because I feel like we might have got some of the stuff wrong. What us get something wrong? No, <laughs> no, right. But I, I wanted to acknowledge that when when we were at, like I think it was the end of a podcast, and we were really quickly talking about the 
under tray thing on the F1 cars. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I'm yes. glad you brought this yeah, up, man. Me too. Me Thank too. You. I forgot. We, we yeah. Wanted to talk and, uh, about it. yeah. And little did we know, of course, that we were so on topic. Yeah, we yep. were on trend that on week. On trend that, that before it even happened. That was, was last week. It was we're gonna, so on trend. It was going to be a, a huge thing at the, the Grand Prix in Austin where uh, Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc were both disqualified for technical infractions with their the tray what's it called like the ball the plank the plank, plank yeah yeah they give good after plank. the race uh, hamilton gives good plank i hear yeah so but then uh, so subsequent to that of course like everybody has been doing little bits on it on like motorsport you know dot com and f1.com and yeah everything on instagram is like left right center is like talking about the plank and the and like the technical infringements and is this fair and should they be doing it and all like and especially like lots of really in-depth technical explanations of what it is and why it's why it does what it does so can you explain the plank i don't get it uh well i'm kind of afraid to now because i've seen all of these things and gone i don't i don't think that's what we said <laughs> no so, you so guys were talking okay. about tungsten something or others yes, that's correct what okay titanium or tungsten or whatever, whatever it, is. it is so uh okay so fundamentally yeah the the plank of wood is there so that there is a minimum uh height so this below, is there. below which the car can run, right? So so the lower you can run the car, the more downforce you can generate. Right. The faster you can go around corners. Yes. That's a good thing for like high performance race cars. Right? I, I hear that if you own a base Cayman uh-huh. and you put the arrow up, you're getting the same thing. Arrow up. Dude, I saw uh, another one today with the arrow up. Anyway. Okay, back to the uh, plank. So here's an an I saw this on one of these pieces on Instagram or one of these pieces online or whatever, and I I actually I really wanted to go back and double check to see if this was actually correct and accurate. But basically, they said after Imola in like '91, they instituted this rule that there had to be a minimum height above which the car has to run. And so I'm like, oh, is that because of Senna? And because what happens is if you run the car too low, and you lose downforce suddenly, you can lose complete control of the right. car. Right. So right. They, so they're like, for safety, we have to institute a minimum height. Right, uh, you know, above which the car has to run, so they have to. They have to has. There has to be. I'm, I'm, am I saying that right? A minimum height. Yeah, yeah. it's a I minimum. Think so. yeah. yeah, basically a mac, a minimum gap that the car has to be above yep. the ground. Yeah. So that's what the piece of wood is for to measure that. To measure that, but obviously, so if you scrape it, but they you, want it to be disposable. I right. think is the but main the point thing. Is, yeah, that makes but the sense. point is, it's like so they want it to be so it conforms to the surface of the road, right? Okay. So they want it to be basically the teams will want that that gap between the underfloor of the car and the road to be as small as possible, and they will obviously want to put something there that is soft, right? Okay. Quick, quick question. So, but go ahead. You, you obviously can't just run the car like that. Otherwise, by the end of the race, it would all be gone. Okay. Right? So they put these pins or like blocks. Yep. Of titanium or tungsten or whatever it is. I thought they were kind of strips is the impression I got. I could be wrong. I've seen a bunch of different diagrams. Okay. I'm not sure. So you could be right. Cool. But basically these like blocks or strips or whatever, they're the sacrificial bits that prevent the, the, the board like wearing away immediately. Okay. Right. But you wouldn't want a whole like panel of titanium on the bottom for weight and also because you don't need it. Right. right. So, uh, that's what it's for. That's what it does. And then, you, then the regulation is that you that they measure it. It has to be meet the minimum height above, uh, 
you know above the ground yep and and then they like measure the the plank height and then the plank height can be no more than one millimeter worn away at the end of the race okay so this will probably clear it all up questions is it structural I don't think so, is my guess. The wood is not, no. So all of it is there basically as a proof point to say you stayed above the minimum height. Yes. Okay. Now, wait, quick That makes so much more sense. Is it? Okay, the whole bottom of the car is like... flat. Is... Let's, no, let's say it's fiberglass or whatever. It's It's carbon fiber. Carbon fiber. That's that's what I meant. Sorry. Um this is something that comes out from under that, right? I believe it's so. Not, it probably sits not, in a channel. It's not like embedded into it, right? No, no it probably it's sits like, in a channel. Oh, and it's in a bolted. channel. So, do you think it's the same exact level? I think I the whole no point idea. about it is is that that is the the height of the the floor okay. above the ground. Gotcha. Yeah. So part of the floor yep. is wood. Yeah. Essentially, in addition to carbon fiber. Yeah, it's it's to, to Cameron's point. It's not structural. Gotcha. That's not the thing holding the the bottom of the car together. And I did read that the tungsten comes out no more than three millimeters from the bottom of the wood. Right. And so they measure that at the at, start of the weekend. And the sparks are they purposely use that so the sparks are on purpose. Yeah. So know? what? So what? Both Ferrari and Mercedes said was to. I don't. This is not an excuse, and I'm not. I don't support their excuse, by the way. But they basically said. We got to the start of the weekend. You have one practice session, so one one-hour practice session yep. before the configuration of the car gets locked, gets put into what's called Park Foam A, where you can't make any changes to the car. Because that weekend in Austin, there was a sprint race. So you do qualifying on Friday. Right. Then you do another set of different qualifying on Saturday. Just and then for the you, sprint just race. Just for the sprint race. Then you run a sprint race on the Saturday. Sorry, you do the qual- the sprint qualification on Saturday morning. You yep. run the sprint race in the afternoon on Saturday, and then you run the Grand Prix on Sunday morning or Sunday. And lunch. qualifying is on Friday, right after the first practice. So you have one practice weird. session, and then you go straight to qualifying. Right. So you have Sunday. to lock your con- your config on the on the car at that point. And basically, they were like, "We didn't. We messed up." And when we started out, the other thing that they also said, which is true, is that the surface in uh, in Austin is really bumpy. Very bumpy. So they start out with a really high ride height. Mm. And then they went, we just went way too low, basically. Mm. And then mm. by going too low, we wore away too much of the tungsten indicators to stay within the regulations. Yeah, that makes sense. Here's what I didn't know. Um, and you might say I didn't know any of that either, but here's what I didn't know. <laughs> they didn't check everybody's cars. How did they determine to check those I, two I actually, cars. I don't know that. I don't know if they were picked randomly. Sometimes they will do that. Like they'll weigh, yeah. they'll weigh cars randomly. Yeah, sure. They picked four cars. Two of them were out of spec. Hmm. Huh. So there's 20 cars. If they'd measured all 20, would yeah. 10 have been out of spec? Well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, the bottom line is no one else was out of spec and you guys were. Who cares what your excuse is? No, they didn't check anybody right. else. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah, that's what I was like. I learned that today and I was like, wait a second. That's, doesn't yeah, that seem is right. kind of strange. But, but to your point, maybe it was like a spot check and they were just like, right. You, your name got pulled out of the hat. Sorry, yeah. it sucks to be you. Yep. You yep. know, so they put, apparently they, they checked four, four cars, mm-hmm. but these only, and then two of the, two of the four were found to be out of specification. Here's the second thing, um, which I, I'm on I'm on the fence with this. So you, you, tell, you guys tell me what you think. 
Is it fair to penalize the driver for what is a technical infraction that the team made? How else would they penalize the team? They could find the team. They could take away the constructor points. I like that a lot. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Like, should he really lose his second place position right. as a result because of the, some the, setup? Here's why I'm on the you fence. Zero points, both of them. You yeah, could you could argue that by running the car lower, you actually did get a performance gain, and therefore, would you have been in second place? Right. Sure. So I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of I don't know which way to go in that. I mean, I think in most racing, you you're a team. And yeah. you as the team that are getting well. yeah. eliminated. And the most important thing is championship points. That is the Const- most important constructor thing. Constructor points. Well, that and championship points. And people want to win the champion. At this point, it's probably just constructor points because obviously Verstappen ran away with it. But, but you, you know this. Every, over. every single point that a constructor earns equals millions of dollars. Yeah, that's yeah. true. In the FIA true. in the following year. So, yeah. I mean, it would have a significant financial impact if you lost 16 points or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because something that you had mentioned a few podcasts back about F1 specifically, it's like you actually, from a fan or spectating standpoint, were like, hey, let them do whatever and let the best yeah. the best team and technology and whoever spends the most money win. And I was thinking about that like from my own brief time racing carts, and I was racing in a sealed spec class where everybody was supposedly running the same motor um with the same lack of modifications etc right it was like even down to the spark plugs the fuel everything everybody had to be running the same i i know for a fact the four years that i did it three of the four years the front part of the pack all cheating oh yeah totally like the sound of their motors as they went past versus the sound of my motor, like night and day. Yep. Wow. And so I started to think about that because no matter what you do, eventually there are these tiny little things that you will do to gain some kind of an advantage. Like, why not just let the person or the team who's got the technical wherewithal or the cash to make the technical wherewithal happen? Just do it. Oh, you mean like how the FIA chose to measure the average amount of fuel flow? Hmm. And so a team that I won't mention decided to figure out how to get around that by pushing a lot more fuel at certain times and then less fuel in other times so that the average came out measured correctly, but... The other times when it wasn't getting measured, they were able to push... Oh, that sounds a little bit like the uh, Volkswagen. Yeah, I was just going to say, that sounds like TDI. (laughs) No, that's what Ferrari did. Yeah. Wow. They they, they were like, hey, we figured out how we can basically circumvent the sensor, the fuel flow sensor, which was measuring an average amount of fuel flow. And they were like, we can figure out when it's actually measuring. Yeah. And we can flow more fuel when it's not measuring. That sounds exactly like the TDI. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Did you read today, uh, is Piastri, I'm pretty sure, that was supposedly went all four wheels out of bounds or off track 21 times during the race and really? was never penalized? I, no. Because to me, it's, and like in MotoGP anyway, it's like, it's very strict. They don't let anybody get away with anything. And I feel like it was that way with F1 yeah. as well. Oh, it has been. It's been ridiculous at times. Yeah, like overkill. But but I, I don't know if I buy that. It was something I think I might have seen on Instagram. It could be bullshit. But um, 
how could they do that? Yeah, it's like, of course they're watching every single car, every single lap, every single turn. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or are they? You know. <laughs> well, it's a, and then you know, rewind the clock even ten years. They didn't have the facility to be able to do that. But right. They, but they can definitely do it now. They they can. I don't know. Does that is that a does that actually add to the sport? I don't know. He he he. I think he finished. What did he finish? I don't remember. But they say he should have finished eleventh, but instead he finished fifth or something like that. Really? Yeah. I don't really know. I was just curious how much of a stick was, was going to say. Look the at, officials like, are. Did they look at it and, and saw it? Looked at every single incident and went like he didn't actually get any, any material gain from right. by doing that. Th- and that, therefore, that could what's be the it. point? Yeah. But that's not how they're supposed to implement that rule. It was like pretty strict. If you go over the, if you all four wheels go over the the white line like three times, you get a warning, and then the fourth time. You get yep. a five-second penalty. and then yep. Very similar to MotoGP. Yeah. Three times you get a warning. Yeah. And then after that, you have to do a long lap penalty. Right. Which usually takes off three or four seconds, which in MotoGP is just That's catastrophic. Forever, yeah. Yeah. Is that like a lap of shame? Uh, yeah. It's pretty much one corner that they pick, and it's just like an extra stupid-looking little, you know. Mm, it's ridiculous. Line that you have to take. Do you have to do it in a dress or something? <laughs> yes. You have to stop and put on a, a dress. <laughs> A leather you have dress. To, you have to take your heels off and, you know, kind of... <laughs> you have to put on a special hat. <laughs> yeah. You look a little disheveled and you're like... Keep your nose was, in the corner. You got a sign on your back that's like, I stayed over last wah, night. Wah. Yeah. Long trombone. Oh, I saw a good walk of shame. It actually was more like the kiss of shame the other day. You know, I lived downtown and I could just like look out my window and see what happens on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And there was this girl and this guy and you could tell he just wanted to get out of there so bad and she wouldn't stop like trying to kiss him goodbye. And she was like dressed up really nice, and he was like in his, you know, clothes because they were at his house. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So she had like this like totally crazy dress on, and and he was just like wearing total straight up pajamas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, okay, you you can go now, kind of thing. And she just wouldn't stop kissing him, and I'm just sitting there eating my cereal, just like <laughs> like. <laughs> you should have been out there like, hey, <laughs> fuck you, Tony. Daddy, fuck you, Tony. <laughs> Tell her to leave, bro. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, she was, she seemed very emotional about the whole goodbye. It's like, dude, yeah. you, you did it. You guys hooked up. Now get over it and move on with your life. <laughs> yeah. You, You're never going to see him again. I see that so much walking the dog, like through <laughs> the university. Like the best was, you know, every now and then you see the people that live in the lower levels of the dorm. Like it's the same deal, right? Yeah. Like the, one person's in the pajamas right. and the slippers and the other person's still got, you know, like the suit or the dress on. Yeah, carrying the heels in their yeah, hands. <laughs> totally. And so like, you know, one time, same thing. It's, the guy's got the door open and out comes the girl in the black dress. And yep. he like slaps her on the ass. On the <laughs> and I'm just like, it's 5 a.m. Right, exactly. Like, what the fuck is yeah. doing that? This one was like 11. It was like 11 a.m. <laughs> I'm like, wow, it's a long it's, morning. It's 5 a.m. Yeah. Do you know where your teenage is? <laughs> oh, my God. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And pounding techno music. There's so many details that I want to say, but I can't say it on the podcast <laughs> about that particular goodbye. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you guys later. <laughs> Were oily cans involved? I'm not going to say anything. Okay. <laughs> it's just mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, hey, good for them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. People are hooking up all around us. <laughs> <laughs>